finishing it off into the summer. So this is Exodus 17, verses 1 to 7. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of Sin, or Sin, or something, by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why are you quarreling with me? Why do you test the Lord? The people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Uh, a couple of years ago, it was right before we moved here, I believe, uh, maybe two summers before we moved here, Lydia and I were in desperate need of some relaxation and rest, and we didn't have very much money, so we, we took the recommendations of some people we didn't know very well, and we took this little mini retreat uh, to what was possibly the greatest, disappointing, greatest disappointment of the vacation ever. Uh, it was this, supposed to be this wonderful lake, and we were staying at this nice little retreat. The retreat hadn't been updated since the 40s. Uh, there was no pool, there was a lake, we didn't have a boat. You could rent boats, but none of the boats worked. There was no way to actually get into the lake, besides just sort of like crawl into the weeds or jump off a dock. Uh, the electric refrigerator would literally shock you every time you touched it. <laughs> and I don't mean just like, like a little place to touch, like, ow, I might not eat tonight. It, it was a complete dump. And it was, such, it was so bad, in fact, that uh, we thought about cutting our vacation short. Uh, and this happens sometimes. Sometimes you're in desperate need of rest and relaxation. You think you're over the hill, you're about to arrive, and you encounter a major disappointment. And that's what happens here with the people in Exodus 17. They've arrived at a place called Rephidim, which means resting place. It's a resting place, and it's a major disappointment to them. What happens when you think you've arrived? When you think the next, over the next hill is the place? And you get there, and it's a desert. It's dry. It's a major disappointment. Often we're like the people here. We assume that because we're there in the desert, that God's forgotten us, that he doesn't care. We forget that he's already proved his love and his care for us, and that he's there at work in the desert. And just briefly in this chapter, we're going to see that though there are dry desert places ahead for all of us, we can be sure of God's love and care. So the first thing is we can be sure of dry places ahead. And this is not a, like I'm making a commencement speech, like my kind of commencement speech. <laughs> Life sucks. <laughs> Have fun. Okay. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's what he would say. Uh, no, this is not a general, like, life is hard spiel. I'm saying there are sure places, there's, there's sure to be hard places ahead because of what happens in the text. Uh, they're in this hard place called Rephidim because God took them there. Uh, it's sure to come because God is leading his people and he's taking them somewhere. And he's taking them right through this dry desert place in order to test them, to teach them, to train them, to show them what faithfulness is like. Now they, of course, are also sure why they're there. They're sure they're there because God hates them and wants to kill them. That's exactly what they say. They accuse God of murder. Did you read that? Uh, 
assume, because of their circumstances, that God has forsaken them and doesn't care. But what we learn in a situation is these things are sure to come, and we're sure to complain. But we're also here encounter ourselves. And what we see is that by nature, as humans, we have spiritual amnesia. When we get to these kind of places, we sort of lose our spiritual common sense. These people have forgotten God's saving power in the past. We're going to die out here. There's no water. Uh, the God of heaven and earth just brought you out of a foreign enslaving power by his own right hand. We, they forget his loving provision. Uh, I can imagine it. Okay, they're sitting around their tent. Hey, there's no water. We're going we're gonna to thirst to death. Hey, what are you eating? Oh, this is called manna. What's manna? It's this bread that God's been raining down from heaven every day for the last six days. That's exactly what's going on right now. Since Exodus 16, the previous chapter, they've been getting bread from heaven every day. Every day, they're eating manna and saying, we're going to thirst to death. They forget God's present provision for them. And they forget his promises and his plan. God is taking them to Mount Sinai. He told them, I'm going to take you to Mount Sinai. You'll worship me there. And Rephidim is almost there. In a minute, he's going to tell Moses, hey, go to Horeb and do this thing. Horeb is like on the foothills of Mount Sinai. They are almost there. They've completely forgotten God's plan. We have spiritual amnesia. It happens in the desert. We think God's forgotten us. The remedy is to work hard all the time to remember that God is faithful and present and loves us and to refuse, to refuse to judge God's care based on our circumstances. It's very natural for us to do. Things aren't exactly the way I want them. God doesn't love me. He's bigger than you. He's got plans. He's taking you somewhere. He's teaching you to trust him. Uh, what the people do here is they put God to the test. They accuse him of murder. This is almost like a trial scene. Uh, we'd like to charge you with murder. And God's like, it seems like he's going to let them do it for a while. Um, he tells Moses, well, go get the elders. And what we see instead is God is showing them that they can be sure of his love. They can be sure of dry places, but they can be sure of his love. And this is why. In verse 5, he tells Moses, uh, get the staff and the elders and go to Oreb. Now, the last time the attention was really drawn to the staff was when God used the staff to redeem his people through the waters. Uh, the staff was the instrument of power by which God freed his people. And he's going to tell Moses to take this staff and strike a rock. And the last time he struck something, it was the Nile. It was an act of judgment. God used his power through the staff in an act of judgment. So it's possible to reading this in verse 5 and say, like, take the elders and the staff and go away from the people. Like, are you, are you going to, like, crush them all? What he does instead is says, take your staff and strike the rock where I'll be standing. I will stand before you there on the rock. Strike the rock. The image is of God saying, uh, who deserves to be on the rock? I mean, who deserves to be struck? It's these treasonous, rebellious people that still won't learn. I will stand on the rock and you can strike me. God is teaching his people the nature of salvation. That God does execute his judgment, but he does it on himself. And the lesson's not done. There's more to be learned from this text. And, and Paul tells us uh, what that is. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 10. He's talking about this group of people and all they learned in the desert. And he says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, These people, they drank from the spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. What Paul is saying is God, in some form, really was on that rock. And Moses struck it in an act of judgment. 
is a picture of the way God saves his people. We can be sure of God's love because he strikes his own son for the sins of his people. And what happens? What happens here? Life happens. Life flows out to us. In the desert places of life, when you, it might be the summer for some of you, it might be the real world after college for others of you, in the desert places of life, when you're tempted to think, God's abandoned me, uh, I am all alone, I'm going nowhere, I am thirsty and I'm dying, remember this staff struck the sun so that you might live. The same God who submitted himself to judgment for you in the person of Jesus, he will provide all that you need for life and salvation. You can be sure of his love. You can be sure of his love. Let's pray together. Great Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this clear picture that you gave us so many years before Jesus even took flesh of the nature of salvation that uh, we by nature are ungrateful and prone to forget.